just to, uh, because we skipped a week and uh, last week we talked about Diana. Diana. Thank God, you know, thank God she's buried or else the thing would go on and on. It has no safe, you know, has no end to it, you know. So. <coughs> but uh, actually, we really have to thank Diana in many ways. Because every once in a while, we get deluded about the righteousness of the world. You know, we get deluded about it. We make mistakes. We think there's something there. We think they make sense. You know what I'm saying? We think there's something there. They make sense, right? That they're righteous, they're holy, they're saints, whatever it is. And the Roshim says, well, you know, every once in a while the Roshim, you know, allows an event to happen that clearly shows us the incredible, the incredible stupidity of mankind and how really and how really debased mankind really is what their level of sainthood is and so on I mean here's a woman, Diane and so on who in essence was an adulteress she had affairs and it was many affairs and they were always publicized and so on and so forth she was on the front page in essence that's what she was what's the Jewish view of an adulteress? it's terrible, Tchayab Misa I mean, you talk about you know, the whole the soita. You know, there's a halach of soita, a suspected adulteress, and there's a whole concept of what you have to drink. That God allows His name to be erased, and then you take the 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 sab. Uh, what? England. She was supposed to be the queen. Yeah. And we take a look at who these people are. These people are supposed to be the elite, right? The models of of civilization of England. I mean, England is, uh, is the what? Is the, is the summit of civilization. Yeah. British royal, British, uh, you know, uh, decor and, 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 uh, and behavior and so on, the, you know, the, uh, the gentlemen and so on and so forth. And you take a look, who in the world do they respect? Do they hold to be so high? Really, they're, they're the last monarch. What was that? They're the last monarch. No, there are other monarchies. No, no, it's big. There's Luxembourg has one and... Denmark has a king in Sweden. Yeah, they're all small because the countries are nothing. Small, it's nothing. This is like yeah, this is the greatest and the last of the great. Yeah, yeah, the last of the great monarchies. You know, you know, a lot to talk about. But you look at the, you look at the who's who's the yichus of these people? William the Conqueror goes back to 1066. That the war there and so on. And the Saxons, the Normans took over the. Uh, took over the English and so on and, and so on the uh, <laughs> these guys were butchers they were butchers oh, oh by and large if you ever read a history of they are butchers and they're murderers and they're cruel despots and so on and these are the guys that are the yichos you know the British royalty goes back to who all the way back the house of Windsor and the house of uh, Tudor and the house of Stuart and all these all these houses where did they all come from they all come from butchers and cruel people. Where did the Jews come from? Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. You take a look at who our ancestors are and what the Chumash says. You see that Sitkas. Even if somebody doesn't know who Avram Avinu is, you take a look at the Chumash. The, the hospitality, that Sitkas of these people are awesome. It's hard to believe that these people lived in a time when the world was barbaric, filled with Zimor and hashkosa, corruption, and all kinds of licentiousness and so on. How in the world do you have these 
three kinds of people that shine out. Then you take a look at who is the yichus of these people, and you realize what kind of a comparison is this? You know, <clears throat> I was getting a kick out of the fact. You know, many many years ago there was a, a TV serial. What's it called? Uh, there was a yichus of the Schwarzes. What was that called? Uh, he wrote about the. Uh, oh yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Who? Roots. 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 Yes. Long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know? Alex Head. Alex Head, yeah. He died Alex Head. Yeah. Roots, you know? So I had read the book. The, well, actually, the Reader's Digest book of it, you know. It's a shortened version of so. song. But uh, <coughs> one thing struck out. It was interesting. I mean, you see the development, the genius. Then everybody, it started a whole genealogy craze. You know, everyone wanted to know their roots, you know. And the next 10 years, everybody was into genealogy. Fine. But I, I always found the fascinating. And I said, what the book sh- shows you clearly, what's the yichos, means the genealogy. Who are the forebears of these people? Some guy called Kunta Kinti, if I even remember his name. You know, it's <laughs> some guy Kunta Kinti, whatever the guy's name was, in Africa. What was he? Was a Pahefim, was barbarian? I mean, what are, th- this is the yichos, the great yichos. And the world is added, and it's spoiled, and the roots, and so on and so forth. And you take a look at the roots of the Jewish people is awesome compared to this. Awesome. You talk about not only the others, the tribes, talking Moshe Rabbeinu and Moses, as they would call Mike Aaron, Shmuel Hanovi, the prophets. This is the forebears of Kleinsville. The same thing, Diana. Who are our forebears? Most of these people are what? They're the uncivilized people that tremendously took advantage of their subjects and so on and so forth. Butchers and all, all this kind of stuff. Have you ever read uh, uh, British history and so on? This is the great Yichus. But it's specifically on Diana. She's an adulteress that committed adultery who knows how many times. And the whole world read about it, clearly the account. This is a saint? What kind of saint is this? Because she did some tzedakahs? Fine. Everybody gives tzedakah. So why is she greater? People do tzedakah. And somebody, I was listening to the radio, one guy said a very good statement. I don't get into Diana, but I just want to finish off and just bury the subject and so on. But one guy said very good, you know, on the radio. I turned it on, all of a sudden, this guy said, he said a very good thought. He says, who's this Diana? I'm surprised he said it, because they, they would have stoned him on, you know, like I said on the radio. He says, who's Diana? He, said, he says, everything you hear about Diana, you never hear a word from her. You don't hear a word. He wanted to compare it to Mother Teresa. He, he quoted what she said, you know? And what she said was chesed. I mean, she was. The, the woman was a tremendous balance uh, chesed. She was one of the Hasidi It's unfortunate she was Catholic. She was in the wrong religion. But she's no question that she was one of the Hasidi Mother Teresa. You're a Hasidi One of the righteous of the nations. Just as she was caught up in the wrong religion. And so on. So he said, what did she say? You never hear any sound bits from Diana. No wise statements, nothing profound, nothing great and noble. All you saw was associated with the, with the charities because there was nothing there. She was about Taiva, right? She was immoral and she ran around all she's into, and she was very materialistic. A house here and a house there. What was this woman? A spiritual woman? She had no shaykh as a spiritual. Anyway. That's what he said. I thought it was a very interesting comment. So much for Diana. That's it. But it, for us, it's very important. We see 
when you say in the morning Shelo Yisani Goy right? the Birchus HaShacha Shelo Yisani Goy think of what what the whole world worships and what the Jews worship just think about that and you will say Shelo Yisani Goy that God has not made me a Goy you'll say it with more Kavona intent it's really a very important idea what they hold and what we hold to be important anyway Because the whole thing is lies. Ultimately, it's all lies. Lies and distortions. Exactly. Well, what can I think? What can a kid think of her? She's when her exploits are all the time uh, covered in the, in the press and so on and so forth. The photographs by the paparazzi. Anyway. They collected $150 million in her name. Yeah. That's a schuss you should know. She's very lucky for that. That's she's I mean, that in her schuss. Like the Sha'ilu Nishmas. In that sense, it is. She's lucky. The Bershim has Rahmanasan and so on. But for us, it's a lesson the difference between Judaism and, 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 uh, and yeah, I mean, the civilization. Even the one guy really came on and said that Charles, I don't know who's worse, him or her. Him or her. And he went out and admitted that he had an adulterous affair with a married woman. Yeah. Know, this guy didn't think about that. This woman's children are how they're going to be affected, or how his children are going to be affected. Sorry, it's not how, how does he do that to another man? Yeah, he destroyed the man's okay, life. Yeah, another man, but how about the children? I mean, I mean, man, you can find another one. But the, the kids are going to ruin their lives for because they're all old lives. And he's the future king. <laughs> but that's what the true blood he has in him, not that he's married into it. Because they're not normal. They're not normal people, really. How can you be normal? Castles, that kind of uh, upbringing, the way they are rigid, and, you know, and, and you know, that's not, that's not, that's not a human being. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a normal thing. It's a, uh, she's trying. Elizabeth is trying to preserve the generations of the old, uh, you know, British monarchy. Hey, it's 1997. It's a different time. A king. You know what a real king is? A king is somebody who has to be aloof, because that's the concept of Malthus. You have to be much more with the people. Imagine the second time in history that she spoke to the British people. Well, is this normal? The second time in history? She, they're, they're supposed to be her subject, and this is the second time in history that she speaks to the British people. Well, the second time in history. Well, she's only the second she, time she's What is she a queen of? It's a 30 years she gets sober. No, that, that, that's a tape. But that she should spontaneously speak to her subjects? It's unheard of. Even the Pope speaks to people live. No, no, she speaks once a year in Parliament. In Parliament, but not to the British no, people. Yeah, this was the uh, Pope year. No. I tell you, it's a bizarre civilization. If you really think of it and look at it honestly, you really let you, you really you really just laugh at the whole what they regard as as, as beauty and, and valuable and so on. Anyway. She's dead. Let's get on.
Um, I began a topic two weeks ago, which in many ways is a very profound topic. The topic was the concept of, we know, and I'll just move that up to it. We know that the revolution created the world. We know that. We also know that what he wants, right, the reason why he created the universe was to create a human being and to give this human being an infinite state of goodness. We know that also, right? That's the purpose of creation. We also know that at that point in time, God had to make a choice. What was the choice? Would he give this infinite state of goodness? Now, we also know what that infinite state of goodness is, which is the experiencing of God himself. That's the infinite state of goodness, that we would experience the Rebbeinah himself as much as we can experience that, you know, and so on. Because it's limited to the fact that we are created entities. But we know that also. We know what the nature, more or less, is of this um, incredible uh, state of existence. However, we know also that at this point in time, the revolutionary God had to make a decision. Is he going to give this to mankind for free? Or is he going to make them do something to get it? That's a decision he had to make. What's the repercussions of that decision? Awesome. The repercussions are awesome. If the Rebbe makes what gives it for free, then he would create Olim Habo, the future world in which a human being would experience the Rebbe directly, as much as he can, immediately. There is no weight, and the place of existence is Olim Habo. In other words, God would create Olim Habo now. Nothing to work. There's nothing to do. Therefore, the Hatova, which means the goodness, that the revolution that God would give to the human being, or the Jew, whatever, right, would be chesed, a pure act of kindness. And what is a pure act of kindness? It's when you give something to somebody with no conditions attached. For no reason. It is the will of the giver to give the gift to the receiver. Finished. The reason for the giving of the gift is it is the will of the receiver. There is no other reason. It's not connected to the receiver's actions, speech. He doesn't have to do anything, nothing. He just has to be there and God gives him it all. That is pure chesed. That's what it's called. Pure chesed. Therefore, Oilam Haba would have been a place immediately created and God would have given this gift himself, so to speak, in pure chesed. That's one. If that would have been, there would be no Oilam Hazen. This world would never existed. Not only that, you wouldn't have to work. There would be no suffering, no disease, no death, right? No, no uh, what do you call it, uh, um, terrible human conditions, no wars. I mean, all the terrible negative things of mankind's history wouldn't exist. No hunger? No hunger, nothing. There no, would be no such thing as any negative experience. No such thing. Which is awesome. I mean, think about it. 
it's just awesome. So that would have been what one path. The second path, or the second side of the decision, choice, is the Roshim says you must do something to earn this. Therefore, the Hatova, which I will give you, is not called a Matona, a gift. It is called a Schar, a reward. Because a reward is something that you receive when you do something. If not, it's a gift. If you got to do something, it's called reward. You have to expend an effort. Then you get the reward. So, what would be the concept if it was Schar? It would mean that you have to do something. Whatever God decides, you have to do a certain task. Right? You, therefore, the reward depends on the completion of the task. You do the task, you get the reward. You don't do the task, you do not get the reward. It's that simple. That's what it is. That's a condition. If you get punished too. What was that? If you get punished too. Yeah. Yes. That system is really punishment. But the essential, I'm not focusing so much on the punishment. What it really is, is that your behavior determines the conduct of God towards you. That's really what it is. If you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get punished. Who determines good or punishment? Man. Your behavior. Right? That's what it is. That, so therefore, if God had decided that you had to do something for the reward, right? That concept is not called chesed, it is called din. What's din? Din means justice. What does justice mean? Justice doesn't only mean uh, if you do bad, you get bad. You know, it's funny, I'm on jury duty. (laughs) Together with the... No. Together with, yes? I bought the dog was in the elevator. I'm <laughs> the Supreme Court building. Of all things, I was selected as a juror. Uh, could you believe this? No, I never thought they would select me. Ah, I'll teach you the play. I'll they get out of English. <coughs> I mean, and the worst part, I'm an alternate juror, so I don't even get to deliberate. Yeah. So at least if you get involved in jury duty, at least you get to say something. You know, but I find it fascinating because I you, to see how the justice system works. Anyway, what? What justice? What? Or what? Yeah. Aldo Bonsham, because I never saw this in real life. Aldo Bonsham said, "I want you to see. It's important to see what mishpat is by umus by the goyim." And yeah, That's right. You know. Now, why do I bring this down? Because. The judge is up front, and on the top of the wall, no, not in God we trust. <laughs> no, yeah, no, in this one it was very interesting. It was a state, a quote by Aristotle. You all heard of Aristotle? Yeah. Aristotle, Aristo, one of the greatest philosophers who ever lived. I mean, the man was phenomenal. I mean, was, uh, Ramam said, if he wasn't a god, he would have been a Novi. Mm. Aristotle, Ramam said that. He was so great. In intellect, that it, had he been a Jew, he would have been a Novi. That's how. But he was a Goy, so that's what. So what do you mean? If you're a giant intellect and you're a Jew, you get Novi? 
Nabuwa? Yes. Yeah. Just intellect. You don't have well, that Well, it, it's more than that, but he, uh, he was just a super, super, super intelligent person. That man was brilliant. Yeah. More than brilliant. He's uh, Anyway. So on there, there's a quote by Aristotle. It says there, what is justice? So I, I bring this down because that's the concept. He was right. Aristotle hit right on the head. You know? He said, to, if I remember the quote correctly, I'll go back tomorrow and just check it out, you know? It says, <clears throat> to give every man his due is justice. Right? Not bad. That did. Whatever is due to him, that's justice. <clears throat> you know, it's a clear statement that it depends up to the guy, what he does. <clears throat> whatever his due is. Right? The UE. What whatever he deserves, that's justice. You know, um, and so that's the concept of din. Aristotle was completely right. You know, so that's that's the word, so well today. Well, because they don't give everybody his due. That's right. why. <coughs> so therefore, <coughs> that's called din. Din means that in order to receive a certain kind of state phenomena or event or whatever, you must do something for it. Depending on what you do, depends on what you get. That's the concept of justice. Mido connected mido, measure for measure. That's the, that's absolute justice. If a person that where do you see absolute justice in the Torah? Last week's parasha two weeks ago? Ayin Tahasayin, eye for an eye, the famous, right? Tooth for a tooth. You know, and so on, a foot for a foot, regal dachas regal, right? Even though we know, what does that mean? That doesn't mean literally a guy knocks out another guy's eye, you don't knock the guy out, right? So we interpret ayin as moment, right? In fact, you know what the remez is? Have you heard this remez? Ayin, tachas ayin. How do you spell ayin? Ayin, yud, nun, right? So ayin, this ayin is tachas, is underneath what it really is. What's the letter after ayin? The letter after no, no, after ayin. Hey. Hey. The letter after oh. yud. Kaf. And the letter after nun. Sama. So what do we got? Hey. Hey. Kaf. Sama. Kesef. Kesef. Money. Right. Ayin is tachas. What the real iron is underneath, underneath. The under. yeah. So, if you have to go for the letters above it, right? What are the letters? Kesef, beautiful remez. Yeah, so that's I mean, that's a remez, that's an illusion that ayin tachasayin means kesef, money, and so on. Why does it say ayin tachasayin or what, what? So, if it's money, why is the eye for eye? What is it on top of shen? <laughs> on top of what? what no, it starts off with Ayin Tachasayin. Okay. We'll let you work that out. <laughs> That'll be your Kiddush. Your code. That's right. Uh, <clears throat> why, so the question is, if the Torah says the Ayin Tachasayin, was Ayin Tachasayin? Din. Justice. You took out his eye, your eye gets taken out. That's, that's mamish. That's absolute justice. Right? So if that's the case, right? So why does the Torah say mamish? money 
Because really, really, what are you supposed to do? Meter connected meter, measure for measure. The true compensation for damage is justice. What you did must be done to you. But the problem is, is what? Is you can't do it. Because what happens if the guy, the mazik, the guy who did the damage, has a 20-20 eyesight, and he knocked out the other guy's eye, and the other guy has a 70-80 eyesight? It's not the same. Big, you can't, you see, that's the problem. You, you cannot, right? I have a better one. What if the guy has only one eye, and he knocked out the eye from this? He can't go back and blind properly. Yes. Awful. Yeah, exactly. So you, the truth is, you can't do true justice. This is the problem. Right? So the Torah says, compensate him. You have to compensate him. You have to pay what's called not an eye, but an eye's worth. And then, then the Gemara is, uh, how do, how do you, how do you uh, estimate it? Eyes so much, legs so much. I <laughs> 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 a chart. Yeah, that's right. But, uh, no, but if you, you knock down an eye of a rich man, you pay more than if you knock down the eye of a poor man. Well, it, it, there's so many different factors in it, you know, and so on. Depends uh, what you make for a living. Anyway, so the concept of eye for eye is absolute justice. And that's the way the world runs, to the extent that it can. That's the concept called din. Now, din is absolute. What does din mean? It means if you did the job, you get the reward. If you didn't do the job, you get nothing, zero. Because that's what din is, right? So that would have been the alternative. Either chesed, which means create olam habo now, or din, which means wait. Now, if you have to wait, if you have to wait, then automatically, when is olam habo created? First of all, it's later, not now, because first has to come work, then reward. And the second thing is that if it's work, it's not the same world, Zoyim Hapo. It's a different existence. So therefore, the decision, and we know that God decided that the world will run on Din, not Chesed. Correct? Therefore, you cannot do that. Therefore, since it's run on Din, therefore God decided that He has to make a, a different kind of world first. The world of work, Avodah. And the second thing will be the world of reward, which is later, and there will be two different types of types of worlds. So therefore, there will be two two worlds, two different types, two different times. That's the decision of of din, justice. Besides everything you see around you, which means you have to go to work, and it's a difficult life, right? And there's all kinds of misery and negatives and so on and so forth. That's all part of the concept of the decision. To make people work for their effort. This is what we know. Obviously, it is probably next to the decision. You asked me, what's the greatest decision or the two greatest decisions God ever made that had the most, the greatest consequences? Right? What would you answer? Creation. I would say the desire to create is the greatest decision of all, right? Yes. And this, what was that? And this. And this. The, con- the, the fact, the decision to create is the first great decision. 
And the second gate decision is under what can uh, is that there are conditions in which a person will get that hot trouble because everything changed, everything. So we have to ask ourselves why? Why did he do it? Why would God create a world in which we must work instead of creating a universe in which we can do what? We can get right away. It's incredible. You think about the decision. It's awesome. Now, just before I, I go on this statement, <clears throat> do not think, however, that the world was created with absolute justice because the world could never survive. What God did is he created a concept called mercy. In fact, in the beginning, it says that in Chumash, that God saw that the world could not survive through absolute justice. So he combined it, shitev. He combined it with rah- Rahman. That's why in the beginning it says Elohim. In the first uh, pair of Abrashis, it uses the word Bayom Elohim. Elohim means God as a judge. Right? And in the second pair, it says Bayom Hashem Elohim. It says Yutke Voki, the Shem Havoyo. Right? That indicates Rahman. Mercy. Because he saw, and Rashi says this, he saw that Midas Hadin, the world cannot survive. Because what would it mean? Imagine, a guy says, I want to do a sin. He does a sin. What happens next? Death. 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 Instantly. Nothing. What does justice mean? Justice means what? Total, total uh, 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 reciprocity. Total and immediate, total and immediate response, right? That's what that's what justice really is. There's no, well, let's wait a while, let's give them a little, not a lot. There's no such thing as that by justice, right? right? Where do you see absolute justice? You know where you see absolute justice? The laws of nature. A guy jumps off the roof. Let me see that. No, I, obviously, uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm not commenting on his mental state. Oh, oh, oh. The floor. No, no, what, what happens? Gravity. What happens? Stay down, right? Okay. Now, does gravity say, oh, well, I'm, I'm not sure, maybe. I'll bring him down a little at a time, you know? In or its own way. What? In its own way. It still has a little bit rough, I mean, even gravity. Yeah, what? Because it, it will be the mass, the weight, and everything like that. No, no, that's not, that. that's that's the laws of gravity, no. The guy will immediately fall yeah, based on his weight. Take a box and you throw it out, it's going to sink all the same way as if you throw a man. There's no difference. Yeah, between. first of all, Galileo said against what you said, that all objects fall at the same speed, irregardless of their mass. That was proven by Galileo in 16-something, long time ago. Remember the Tower of Pisa? Yeah. That was a famous experiment. By the way, I told you I was on the Tower of Pisa. Avoided. I was on the Tower of Pisa in Italy. The tower that leans. Yeah. The leaning Tower of Pisa. Yeah. I was on it. It, it really leans. Yeah. I mean, it really leans. <laughs> Just we cl- I climbed up. Now. Yeah, because I think it's over. But I was there in 19. What was I in Italy? I was in Italy in 1983. Yeah, it's a long time ago. And then you could walk up. But you see how you walk up? You had to hold on to the 
It's like you walked up like this, you know. It's like yeah, like you were drunk walking up, you know. And you walked up like this, but it was like this. You couldn't go straight. You had to go up like this, and you go around. You know what I'm saying? It was weird. You know, you can't, you couldn't stay. You didn't stay up there too long because like it was weird, you know. Besides, you look down, you realize that you were leaning. I mean, you know. You, anyways, it was interesting, you know. But anyway, Galileo, Galileo solved that problem. Yes, famous thing he tried to solve. So nature is pure justice. Pure justice, exactly. Touch you fire, do, you bam, exactly. You touch fire, burnt. That's where you see true justice. Interesting. However, in the concept of how God responds to you, not nature, you don't see justice. People sin all day long. Nothing happens. Nothing. And we know, based on the reciprocity, if there was such a thing as absolute justice, the man would die immediately. Immediately. Total and immediate. But God saw that people are going to sin and will never survive. So he combined justice together with Rachman. What is Rachman? What is Rachman? Din and Chesed combined. No, I have not. Well, that's Time to wait for to come. No. You always need a precise definition. Mercy. Who? No. Come on. Who can give me a precise definition of Rachamim or mercy? Not a translation, a definition. What is it? Give me a statement that explains mercy. When a guy goes over to the guy and says, Your Honor, you know, the guy says, We beg the court for mercy. What's he saying? Time. Oh, no. Put aside just. Don't give me what I really do. Oh, put aside the same, same thing. Rachamim is the suspension of justice. The dechuya. Dechuya, how do you say it? Dechuya. Dechuya, a suspension. It is the suspension of justice. That's mercy. Is it chesed? Is Rachman the same as chesed? No. Is Rachman Chesed? Rachamim. When you say Chesed, it's not the same. It's not the same. But if you think about it, what's Chesed? Chesed is to do something to a person, and that person doesn't deserve it at all. Right? Doesn't deserve it. There's no reason why that person should get it. Right? That's Chesed. Din is you get exactly what you did. Rachamim is you don't get exactly what you did because you're not getting it. Correct? It's a suspension of what you should get. You're not getting what you should get. That's called Rachamim. But the truth is, it is Chesed Bedin. Chesed Bedin is Rachamim. Kindness, injustice is mercy. In other words, in a, in, a, in a world that has in a world that has justice, what is kindness called? Mercy. That's what it is. Now, mercy doesn't say you don't deserve it. Correct? Does mercy say you don't deserve this? No. Does mercy say you won't get what you did? Does it say that? Does if a guy if a guy if a guy steals, right? Does mercy say 
if a guy steals, does does mercy say that a guy won't get what he deserves? Does mercy say that? No, instead of getting 40 lashes, have mercy, give him 20, give him 10. Reduce the amount. No. You said spends it for later. Who? You said spends it, so that means it's all till later. Yes. Mercy <laughs> does not remove it. It spends it. You see what I'm saying? It changes it. It does not remove it. Very important distinction between the concept of mercy and the concept of chesed, which is kindness. Very different. Kindness does what? Kindness what? When God is kind, chesed. Remember what chesed was? God looks at a person and the will of God is what determines what God does. I want to give you goodness. You don't, it has nothing to do with you. It's my will. Justice is I want to give you goodness if you do something. Mercy says, right, that I want to give you goodness for what? In other words, if a person does something and he deserves, mercy will say, don't do it now. In other words, mercy will say, change din, modify it, but don't remove it. What does that mean? Very important. That means, ultimately speaking, a person must receive everything he deserves, but not total and not immediate. You understand the difference? You understand the difference between mercy? Therefore, how could it be? So God will say, this person deserves 40 lashes, right? I will give him 20 now and 20 next year. But you got to get how much is 20, 20? 40. That's the difference. Din says, give him 40 now. Mercy says, give him 40 in, in parts. Wait, forget you. Maybe it's the more merciful to give him the 41 shot. I don't think we're going to get it again. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about that, you know? Get it over with. No, no, it's always better to split it. Are you thinking you're remembering that pain that's coming? Because the pain is lighter, because if you get 20 now and 20, 20 later, it's only 20. You got 40, but it's still only 20 and 20. It's easier to bear. So mercy says that. What's another way of mercy says? Mercy says, harm the person. It means the person has to suffer physically. His body. Excuse me, Din says. The guy did something, eye for eye. Right? That's Din. Mercy says, well, not eye for eye. Give him a bruise on his foot. You know what I'm saying? So, <coughs> or don't do it to his, don't do it to his, uh, his person do it to his possessions. His dog got killed. So he grieved. That's mercy. It was easier. You see? So mercy can change a decree from the physical person to the possessions. And so on. That's why there's a famous story <coughs> where there's uh, some atano. So he always asked, yo, I want to go with you. Come on, bring the story down. You don't want to go with you. You know, so Elio always said no. One time he said okay. He went with him, but Elio said, if you ask me why I do things, 
no more. You go, you, you go right home, you know? Anyway, ADO did several things. One of the things he did is that they came to the, you know, ADO disguised himself, you know, and he was walking with his tana. I mean, the Gemara brings this down. This isn't the, uh, this isn't the Bobomizer. You know, so they came to a certain place and they came to this guy's house and the guy was mamish, he's a tzaddik. He was a tzaddik and his wife was a tzaddikist and they, they, they took him on, the hospitality was tremendous. It was gewaldic, you know, what the guy did and so on. So, uh, the last night they were leaving, he hears the old praying to God that the man's cow, the guy learned, earned his livelihood from his cow. You know, he earned his life from his cow. So, uh, or whatever it was, he either carried stuff for other people, whatever, milked or whatever it was, you know? So, Elio prayed that the guy's cow should die. The guy's cow died. I mean, imagine the misery. So, they, they left. Yeah, the, guy, the guy was breaking at the seams. I mean, you know, what's going on here, you know? Uh, meanwhile, they, they come to another guy's house. You know what I'm saying? Guy, other guy's house and so on and so forth. And uh, Elio prayed that this guy was a rotten guy. I mean, we real Russia and so on and so forth. So Elio prayed that uh, he should find the treasure. I mean, it was it was like you know, whatever you expect. So finally, the guy couldn't hold himself out. He said, to Elio, I can't hold out anymore. I know that you tell me this is the end of your trip, right? But uh, I have to know. What you do this for? Say this, okay? You know, at the end of the trip, and I'll explain. The guy that I prayed should find the treasure. He was an evil person. The truth is, he is not deserving of Oyelam Habo, really of the full extent. Therefore, I pray that he should get part of his reward here because he's so evil. Let him enjoy some of the reward here so he won't get so much in Eidam Hapa. The guy who was a tzaddik, there was a decree upon him because he once did something many, many years ago. There was a terrible decree of punishment that mercy was holding up, you know? So I pray that it should be fulfilled for the death of the cow. So even though it was fulfilled, but had, had I not done it that way, then he would have died. However, that's what Elio explained to him. He said, but since he asked me, chips over. And so on. We don't know the Cheshbonus. Whatever it is, but I, I, I brought that out. I'll give an example of Rachmanus that sometimes possessions get damaged, not the person. Because if you ask a guy, what would you rather have? You should be in surgery, or your dog should be in surgery? Even though you can be, you know, your pet lover and so on. So on. You know, dog should be in surgery, oh. right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Some people yeah. prefer themselves. Oh. You know, because you talk to some dog lovers. Anyway, <coughs> but uh, that's the concept of uh, of mercy. So what mercy is is chesed bedin, chesed bedin. When there is kindness in justice, that's called mercy. The definition of mercy is the suspension of justice. But mercy never removes justice. It merely modifies it. It changes it, makes it easier. But the person still has to go through what he has to go through. Why? Because the absolute law in the universe is justice. Mercy enables us to survive. That's why there's mercy. But the real, and therefore, and that answers the question, well, if God created the universe with mercy and justice, and therefore in the second paragraph of Rachel, it says, Hashem Elohim, the two names of God, the name that stands for mercy and the name that stands for justice. So why did he say in the first pair? Because anyway, he changed his mind, so to speak. And the answer is because God never changed his mind. The world runs through justice. <coughs> but God added mercy to temper it, to modify it. 
But ultimately, what has to be fulfilled? Justice. So therefore, the name of God, the first pair of operations, is Elohim, judge. Now, so we see very important ideas. We see the idea that the world is absolute just with an introduction of mercy. And we see also <clears throat> that this decision profoundly changed the entire uh, experiment with man. Right? That's what we see. So the question is why? Why did God do this? Now, the answer to this question is an answer which I have mentioned. The answer to this question, right, as I mentioned last time, has another question on the answer. That question, however, has no answer. At least, I mentioned then. It has no answer in the sense that nobody, I've never seen an answer. However, I have an attempted answer. I have an answer to it. I mean, at least what I see and so on. So I'm going, to, I'm going to, of course, explain the answer to this question. And then we will go, of course, on the question to the answer. And then the answer to that question. What is the answer? The answer is a certain concept called Nahamadik Sufa, bread of shame. The bread of shame? Remember that? Bread of shame? What is bread of shame? Bread of shame is simple. It simply means that if you walk over to a person and you give him bread for free, he will be ashamed or embarrassed. Why? Because he's receiving something he did not earn. He didn't earn it. Why will he be embarrassed? Because receiving the bread without working for it in some way diminishes a person. You know, <clears throat> there are many people. You take a guy and you give him welfare checks for years. Right? What can this man feel about himself? He's ashamed of himself. He can't even, I mean, his wife will tell him, you're going to be ashamed of yourself. You can't even go out and earn a living. Right? She even used the expression, you should be ashamed of yourself. Correct? <clears throat> Why? Why is he ashamed? Because it's a reflection on him in some way. Namadik Sufa is the term used. Red of shame. In other words, when a person receives that which they never earned, constantly, there is a certain Therefore, the reason why God gave, or rather why God did not give the gift, rather he made it a reward, the reason why God makes you work for the goodness and doesn't give it to you for free is because he doesn't want to embarrass you. Because if you would sit there in the future world, Noidam Habo, right? and receive the constant goodness, after a while, you will experience terrible embarrassment, terrible shame, because you're receiving. <clears throat> so therefore, that would be an obstacle to your receiving the good. It's true you're getting a lot of good, but you're also ashamed at the same time. What kind of an experience is that? Clearly, it would be a flawed experience, right? It's a flawed experience. You know what it's like? It's like a guy gives you, what's the, what, what do you guys like to eat? What's the favorite, uh, right? Steak? Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. Steak, right? It's like you sit down with a steak, sizzling steak, right? A steak is real good, right? It's sizzling, you like it, right? Grilled. 
A sizzling, delicious steak. Prime ribs with fried onions. Right? Right? Fabulous, right? And and the smell the smell you can always gave from lemon, right? Just <laughs> plus, right? And you take your fork and you and you cut the knife and you and you take the juicy steak, it's mamish, mouth watering. I'm getting hungry. You put the fork in it and you put it in your mouth, right? And and like just doing that is incredible, right? And you bite into it, right? And then chew it and feel the aroma. And you bite into it, and all of a sudden, you have an incredible toothache. Oh, boy. That's hell. Right? So you don't know what to do. You want to eat the steak because it's delicious, but every time you take a bite into it, what happens? Always me, right? So it's a conflict. You don't know what to do. What do you have? It's a conflict. Delicious steak. And you can eat it, and you're eating it. But every bite you take, oive, right? Pains. Now, I want to ask something. Isn't that called a terrible damper? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ter- terrible, right? Terrible, right? That's the same thing with Namdi Sufo. You're in the Habo, and you're getting this incredible good. You're experiencing God, unbelievable. And it's doing things for you which we cannot even imagine. Right? So you're receiving this incredible good. At the same time you're receiving the incredible good, you feel incredibly ashamed. And I ask you, you know what I'm saying? You can't do this. This isn't Oidam Hapo. Therefore, Namadik Sufa, bread of shame, is a tremendous obstacle in receiving what is called Hatova Shlema. The perfect good. Perfect good, remember. What does God want to do? He wants to give you the perfect good. Correct? What is perfect good? It has to be completely good. God cannot give you a steak with a toothache at the same time. That's not perfect good. Right? God cannot give you himself and you experience Namadik Sufa at the same time. There's a deficiency in the good. It's not Shlema. Not perfect. And since God is a perfect being, the good that He wants to give you is perfect. To receive reward without doing anything at all. Just to chesed because He wants to do it, God wants to do it, would immediately put you in a state of embarrassment. And therefore, you would experience the hatova and the embarrassment at the same time. This cannot be. This is not perfect. Therefore, in order to avoid that, God says you must earn your own good. Which means you have to do something to get it. Therefore, now, when you're in Elam Habo, right? What's God doing for you? He's giving you the good, correct? Why are you receiving the good? Because you earned it. You earned it. If you had not earned it, would you get it? No. So who is responsible for the fact that you are receiving the good? Who? You are. Therefore you feel okay. When a person works, and because of his work he produces, he accomplishes, he achieves, correct? He feels fabulous. Feels great. 
the guy who went out and earned a million dollars by hard work feels a million times better than a guy who inherited a million dollars. True. They both have a million dollars. True. But there's a difference in the way they feel about that million dollars. They both can have pleasure. But one earned it, right? And therefore he feels incredible about himself. And he also has the million dollars. Two things. And the guy who didn't earn it, who inherited, feels he has a million dollars so he can he can derive the pleasure of a million dollars. But how good can he feel about himself? Hey, he didn't do a thing. He has to prove to himself that he could have done it. And therefore, even though he's a millionaire, it's limited pleasure. Limited. It's really what it is. All those guys that inherited their wealth are different than the guys who made their wealth. Tremendous difference between the two. Therefore, God decided you must create your own wealth. Therefore, you will have earned it and you will get it and you will feel absolutely fabulous and there will be what's called Hatova Shlema, which is the perfect or the complete total good. Solved. Correct? And the situation is solved. What's wrong with inheritance? It's, there's nothing wrong with inheriting, but the problem is, you know that there are many rich people that feel guilty about what they have? It's, it, what they have is actually a problem. Because the fact that they receive this without working, right? Does not, the, look, when a guy has a million dollars, usually he feels much better than the next guy. He feels superior. They cannot feel superior even though they have a million dollars. Why? Because they never earned it. It was an accident of birth. They're lucky. They wanted a guy who had it. It's true. You see, of course the guy can enjoy the million dollars. No question about that. But there's a component about the million dollars that he can never have. He made it. You look at those guys who made the million. It's different. The look on their face is different. Of course they can both enjoy the million dollars. But one can never feel the way the other guy. And you should know, the feeling of having made the million is, is a whole, is, you can't buy that feeling. Not even for a million dollars. Uh, when yeah. the lotto started big, there was a, I remember showing one black person, uh, poor, it wasn't poor, but the guy who won five million dollars. And they advertised them on television. The kids, uh, he started to spend money like there's not tomorrow. Two years later, he was broke. Five million dollars in two years? Spent it. I saw special that they followed like a few of them. Of those guys who won the lottery? Yeah. Yeah, and? You should know that uh, most of them end up terrible. Divorced and problems and uh, each one had a different okay. problem. You don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. That it was a curse, not a blessing. Yeah. They had a special. Yeah, they That's interesting. Whatever happened to these guys who won millions of dollars yeah. from the lotto? Yeah, they followed like five or six of them. And out of the five, all of them were? Five out of the six were a disaster. What was a disaster? The brother was suing the brother, the kids were infighting in the family. Because of the money. Because money. Money brought them a lot. Divorced. Because the guy figured, wasn't he his wife? <laughs> he got five yeah, dollars, he can go get... Uh, sure, he you know, Each one was a different problem. Yeah. Yeah, most of them were going. I should go put in the bank. Is he coming? Is he going?
But people who earn their money know how to keep it. Yeah. Because they know the value of earning. They know how long it takes and what it takes. That's right, exactly. People who earn their money through real work, I would think, are almost always keep the money because they know the values of money, which means how much hard work it takes. People who do not earn their money squander it. That's really, I think, in many ways what you're saying. They, nobody ever earned it. It was a lot of so they never realize the value of the money, how long it takes, and so on. And therefore, ultimately speaking, you know, just different things happen to them, and so on. Yes, yeah, true. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, which is very true. Not everybody gives their money to their kids. There was one guy, I forgot his name, he was like, he did 95% of the money. What did charity? He left his kids over holding a small amount of money. Rockefeller didn't give his kids the money? When they were grown. He didn't spoil them. Yeah, which obviously he could have, yeah. Or because they would never learn the value of money, and so on. But in any case, the important idea here is what? Is that Namnik Sufa, right, is what makes it, demands that we work for our money. Because even though we're enjoying the pleasure of whatever God is going to give us, which is an experience of the divine, we would always have that feeling of tremendous amount of shame and so on. Now, it's very important also, which I commented also, but it's a very important concept. What is shame, really? Shame is an emotion not really understood by most people. There's a difference between shame, guilt, there are many different human emotions. Shame, however, and you will hear a startling idea, the most fundamental concept, or rather, the most fundamental damaging emotion is shame. Why? What is shame? Who knows? What is shame? That's guilt. Anybody, anybody know? You guys forgot two weeks ago. No good. If you already forgot two weeks, I can imagine you forgot two months. I see, I gotta give a test every two weeks. You know? I. Shame is a very important emotion, and it's very profound. In fact, I'll tell you something interesting. The reason why there's a guy, John Bradshaw. Is there John Bradshaw? Yeah. Who? Yeah, anybody into the uh, codependency? Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, all the, uh, the drugs anonymous, uh, Aranon and uh, 12 Steps. That's it, the 12 Steps, right? You ever hear of John Bradshaw? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he a football yes. player? Yes. 
that was that was by accident, you know. I mean, I he's, uh, I know nothing about football, nothing. That's like a piece of information that just somehow tangles in my mind that nobody can tell you, you know. Um, <coughs> you want that too? I don't know. <coughs> shame is a very important motion. And the truth is that shame <coughs> is not discussed among psychologists. It's astounding. But there's a guy, John Bradshaw, who used to be a priest. A priest or a, a, a minister, whatever. And he himself was an alcoholic. <laughs> you know, he has tremendous. He started <coughs> giving lectures about what's called addiction. Now there are many types of addiction. There's drug addiction, there's alcohol. There are many kinds of addictions. You know, a person can be addicted to uh, what do you call homosexuality, sex is an addiction, gambling, eating, smoking. drugs, smoking. You name it. Addiction is a is an incredible craving toward a certain object. And there are many things. That's why uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, you have now all over the place, not only AA alcoholics, you have the Alanol, which is the drug, there's the uh, Overeaters Anonymous, and, uh, and Drugs Anonymous, and uh, you know, all the Anonymouses have grown out of what's called the addiction movement. <clears throat> and this movement is called codependency, and Bradshaw gives different lectures. He's a very, very fascinating speaker, very sense of humor, and so on. He dwells on the concept of shame. And he's right. Uh, but the interesting thing about it is that uh, he does not understand the relationship between shame and religion or spirituality. <clears throat> and after this lecture, <clears throat> or this series I should say, you will understand the pinus of shame, of the concept of shame, why it is so critical. But the first thing you must understand is shame is what? <clears throat> And I will tell you, shame is, a, is an emotion which is experienced when a person's sense of vulnerability or weakness has been exposed, <clears throat> thereby indicating to him that he is less than what he thought. Let me say that again. Shame is an emotion experienced by an individual when his vulnerability or weaknesses have been exposed to himself or others, thereby, thereby awakening in, in him the idea of his inferiority. Everybody you don't need anything. <coughs> You I'll give no, an example. Wait a minute, you need nothing. And I get, and but I you're get, dead. You have no titles, no this, no that. No, 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 no. You, you, you. Now listen, listen I, carefully. I think the biggest thing. I gave an example. Am I gave an example? Somebody's in a shower, taking a shower. Am I gave it's a it's a cool example, but it's perfect because it brings out what sh and shame is a critical emotion, and you will understand that shame is responsible for all mental disease. That's how incredible it is, right? All mental disease. Every person who has mental problems or emotional problems has deep rooted shame, but they've repressed it. It's a very, I'm telling you now stuff that 
is the penis of all mental illness. Yeah. Then I'm going to connect it to the fundamental structure of ruchnius, and you understand why they're connected, and so on. First, I have to deal with shame. Uh, guy's taking a shower. Whatever, like a woman, a guy, it doesn't make a difference. Somebody's taking a shower, right? Somebody walks over, right, and pulls a shower curtain. What happens? Whoops. Whoops. Right? Sees the person there. Right? What does the person feel? Shame. Nothing else, right? Embarrassed. Embarrassment and shame are the same thing, basically. Embarrassed or shamed. Shamed. Why? It's a crude example, but it, it's powerful. What's it to be shamed about? Okay. We're talking about the average person. Some people are above it. Maybe <laughs> people like, some people like to display their bodies. We're I don't a know. bunch of humans. What's the problem? A body, a body. I don't understand. What? Male, female. Only as a sin. Yeah. It's a uh, mental problem with that person that he's shamed. Okay. Why does the person feel ashamed? Exposed. He's been exposed. What's been exposed? Something that's always uh, covered. It, 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 it's true. It's true. It's true that things have been covered. Covered. But what has been exposed? The clothing is a private part. No. There are people who shame take off their shirts. You see people go if they're in a gym. People they. You know, it, it's not only the private part. It, it, their shirts, you know, they, they don't want to expose any part of them. They're ashamed, right? Mm-hmm. What does a shirt have to do, right? There are people who are ashamed they're exposing anything of their body. Not only, it's not only a matter of the private parts or whatever, it's more than that. And because if you look at the human body, right? The human body is very weak. There's nothing great about it. It, it looks uh, inferior. The human body looks inferior. You compare the human body, right, to the body of a, a bear, right? A bear looks like an animal. I think uh, no, incredible, no, no, incredible creation, but I think my body's an incredible uh, uh, wait, creation. Wait, Follow the reasoning or you'll, middle the, you will miss the subtle idea. You have to get the idea. People are ashamed of their bodies. Not because of private parts, no. They're ashamed in their bodies because the human body is a very weak, unesthetic, vulnerable body. It's embarrassing. It tells you, you know, imagine a multimillionaire. I can't t- imagine a guy who's a multimillionaire. If he is naked, can you imagine how embarrassed he is? And even though he's worth a multimillionaire, why? Because he wants to believe he's who ha right? Meanwhile, what's this guy? You know what I'm saying? What's the big deal? You know? You understand the contrast? It's a rough, it's a graphic contrast, but very important. Because people are embarrassed about their bodies, because big deal. Now, you take a guy who works out, right? These guys who work out on the gyms, what do these guys do? Exactly. Why? Because they are proud, because they have gorgeous bodies. Beautiful. It's not so much that they've earned it's true, but even if they haven't earned it, the guy has a natural build, he likes to show it off. Why? Because it's beautiful. It's strong, muscular, strength, definition, muscle tone, etc. Right? Look at the difference. <coughs> because we are looking at the concept called vulnerability, weakness, inferiority. 
Shame is an emotion that you experience when you feel inferior. When your inferiority is obvious, you feel ashamed. Guy takes a test. Everybody in his class gets a 95. He gets a 50. Right? And they all get together. Correct? And they're all discussing their marks. Right? So, you know, they're holding up the 95s. And this guy, he's got his paper up. Obviously, he's not showing it, you know? So one of the guys is, hey, John! Right? I'm using Gersh names, right? Hey, John, come on, what'd you get? What do you think John's gonna do? John's looking around for the nearest hole to crawl into. Correct? All right about it. No, let's say they want to see his paper. Right? What is John feeling? Shame, right? It's a shame. What's he ashamed about? His inferiority. Is he ashamed about his 50? No. He's ashamed because a 50 means you've got to be a dope because everybody got a 95. You see, an intellectual deficit is what he's ashamed about. He's inferior, you see? Again, the same concept. When your inferiority is exposed, you are ashamed. Shame is a very unique emotion, very important. It is the exposure of the person's inferiority, and he feels shame. That's what a person does. And there are many other examples you can give. All kinds of examples. And you'll always see that when a person's inferiority, whether it be mental, intellectual, right, or physical, or performance, you know what I'm saying? If a guy performs, you know what I'm saying? If two people are performing, you know, and one guy does a poor job, he's ashamed. Because performance is a reflection on his worth, on his greatness, on his being. Huh, see why I am? That's what it is. Performance is a statement that you're nothing. You're not what you think you are, you're nobody. Or you're inferior. Shame is the reflection, is the emotion we experience when we feel inferior. When we feel when we have no, when we have no self-worth. When our self-esteem has been damaged. It's all the same concept. Self-esteem, self-image, self-respect, self-worth. It's all the same idea. When that is damaged or exposed to be inferior or deficient, what do we experience? Shame. That's what shame really is. It's a critical, one of the most fundamental of all human emotions, is shame. Now, one of the ways we receive shame is how? is being the recipient of something good. Why? When we receive something, you ever see guys on welfare? Now forget about, you You can develop a welfare mentality, correct? A welfare mentality is after a while, you just take the checks. <clears throat> but what do these guys really feel? They feel inferior. Why? Because a person feels inferior when it's proven that he cannot produce. Why can't, what's the proof that he's inferior, that he can't produce? Because you're always receiving welfare checks. If you're such a hot shot, why can't you go to work and make money? Making money, working, is proof that I'm somebody. Receiving welfare checks is proof that I am nobody. Therefore, you're ashamed. If, of course, the guy then drowns it out, I mean, he, he doesn't allow himself to experience the shame. So the shame becomes suppressed or repressed. True. 
but it doesn't make a difference. Deep down, he's ashamed of himself. To be in a recipiency stage for a long time is a terrible, shameful experience. Why? Because we receive our feelings of self-worth by being productive. Therefore, Nahamadik Sufa, the bread of shame, we now understand why it's called the bread of shame. It is called the bread of shame and because if God gives you this hatova, this goodness, constantly, what would you feel? Shame. Because the mere fact that you must receive this all the time makes you feel inferior or it exposes your inferiority. You're being nothing. You're being nobody. Therefore, you have the feeling called shame and you can't, you can't do that by getting a steak with a toothache. You, you, you're getting great stuff. I mean, you know, fabulous. But every time you, you pick up a check from God, so to speak, what do you feel with the check? With the act of taking the check that you did not earn, you feel shame because receiving is proof that you're nothing and nobody. Because if you really were somebody, why don't you go out and get it yourself and do it for yourself? What do you got to take it from God for? This is the immediate kind of feeling that you have. Therefore, God, in order to avoid the concept of shame, gives you only on condition that you earn. Ah, you earn? It's me. Because if I didn't do what God wants me to do, if I didn't do the task, I could never get the reward. Correct? Therefore, the fact that I'm receiving the reward means I did the task. But if you did the task, how do you feel about yourself? Fabulous. A guy puts in a week's work and he goes to pick up his check. Is he ashamed? No. Why? Exactly. A guy goes to a charity organization to pick up his check. Is well, well, that's really what welfare is. Charity. State charity, right? What does he feel? Ashamed. That's why a person must feel they earned something. Therefore, God said, you can only receive Olam Habu, the future world, if you work, thereby removing an obstacle to the real feeling, to feeling totally what you're getting, and that's shame. That's the answer. Why God said, din, justice, you must earn the reward, then you get it. However, what's the question? This is the answer. Wait. You, you answered it like, what is the question? What's the problem with this answer? This is the answer, by the way. I'm not, I'm not, this, this is the Hashkofa answer. Nahamlik Sufa, bread of shame. I've explained to you what shame is in depth. That it's the concept of inferiority, right? Or what shame is and so on. This is the answer. That, uh, that's the answer in Hashkofa. However, there's a problem with this. Anybody know what the question on this is? You're excused. You're not into it. You're safe. No, but you had something to think. 
No, but you're only saying, because I didn't say it, so you're not responsible to remember it. But come on, what's the question? Or what's the... <laughs> okay, repeat performance. And therefore he wouldn't have to correct it. Correct. Exactly. If God created the universe, right? He created it all. Who's the one who makes a person feel shame when his inferiority is exposed? God. Who made us? God did. Right? Humans didn't always exist. Correct? Therefore when a human exists and he experiences shame, that's built into the creation. Of course. If a person feels shame when he receives something for nothing, right? God made it that way. That if you receive something for nothing, you are ashamed. So of course, if now a person has shame when he receives something for nothing, you gotta correct it. So therefore you gotta make it work for it. But the question is, hey, don't break it. You don't have to fix it. When you create a person, don't make don't give him the emotion called shame, right? Even if he experiences inferiority or whatever. Or a person shouldn't care. And therefore, you don't have to make him work and you give him the future world right away. That would be better. What? That would be better. Of course it would be better. What's the, more, what's the biggest problem by then? What's the biggest problem where God created the world where you have to work for your future world? What's the real problem, the danger of this all? What's so bad about then? And the answer is risk. Because if you don't do it, what happens? No, you don't have all. So it's a risk. Why would God create a world that is risk? It always happens. Even if you are a Rosh, you bring you back as a perfectly retarded person, you'll suffer all life, and I'll bring you back, oh, for goodness. You know, in a rabbi's family, you become a rabbi, and you learn it. That's it. You won't remember the wicked that you did. Again, the risk is the dangerous spot of the world that has been. It's risky. Because who says you're going to work for it? In fact, if you take a look outside the door, 95% of man time are obviously going, you get, they're going in the opposite direction that they model. It's obviously that way. So they fail. Failure is the obvious possibility in a world that, need, that had either success or failure. <coughs> so clearly, din is worse than uh, what he called um, chesed. Right? No question about that. So the question is, it, once God created a man, that if he receives something or nothing, he feels shame, so God has to deal with that. So he says, okay, work for your reward, and then you'll get it, you'll feel proud, you won't feel diminished because I give you the reward. But the question is, why did God make men that way? Why not make them without a feeling of shame, without a sense of inferiority? Therefore, a person would never feel shame, even if he received. So, therefore, you make a future world, he's always receiving, and there's no shame. This is an incredible kasha against the whole concept of Namdik Sufa. It's for... No. No, no. God... God does for creation what creation needs. Right? But what makes creation need? God. So let him not make that need, and then he doesn't have to do it. You don't realize, by, by giving a person a sense of shame, God had to create a whole world before the future world. But there's a tremendous risk. Why would God do that? It's much better to create the future world and I'll get the reward immediately. We know from a tremendous The world
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat that again. But I'll, in any case, that's the question. The question simply is that let God create the world for man without a feeling of shame. Therefore, if he creates the future world and he gives a man constantly, that man will not have shame. And therefore, he will have incredible reward without the blocker of shame. That's what God should have done. Instead, no, but what then God he doesn't do, feel like he earned it either. Instead, what is Instead, what God do? He created a man with a feeling that if he that with a feeling that he's able to, if he sees his inferiority, he will experience the emotion called shame. Now that a person has the emotion called shame, God has to solve the problem by making the man work for it, so he doesn't receive it for nothing, so he can feel as if he earned it. But the reason why God has to make him work for it and create this world is to solve the problem of shame. So the question is, let not God not create a man with a sense of shame, and he can give him the future world right away. Because then a man won't feel shame by receiving for eternity. This is the question. Understand the question? I'll Nothing you can again. do that can be so good receiving for eternity. You'll be shamed anyway. As far as I'm concerned, I've never seen an answer on this. Yeah, that's what it would seem so. However, next week I'm going to go into the concept of why. Why the reversion created shame and had to solve the problem of shame by creating Oyum Hazir. Why didn't he just create an Odom, a man, without shame? And he could have created Oyum Havo. Next week we'll go into that. Very important, very profound understanding of what's going on in song. And separation is after consciousness. Yes, that separate from Hashem. And that very separateness makes the Nama de Sutra. Yes. That very act of separating us makes us the exactly. Nama de So that's the existential problem of the Briya. Right, right there. The the so the string is a the string is a being that has Nama de Sutra. Yes. That's right. And it's the string's job to maneuver itself in such a way that it releases consciousness of itself and it becomes shaman again. Yes. Because Through its very act. Through, yeah, that's right. Through his very act. Yeah. Because now it can be, it, now you could feel yourself as a sphera without Namik Sutra. Because you are responsible for being, feeling yourself as a sphera. Right. That's the Namik Sutra there. So if you could really successfully move the string, You've obviously found yourself. If you could move the string, yeah. You've found yourself, which yes. is the job we're trying to do. We want to find ourselves. Well, doesn't it say that the whole bee is totally inside Totally So what is that? Yeah. Why? Because he's got the string. 
because he is it, because the Boshim allows him to do what he can do. Is it the emotion that's Mekayim, or the Boshim allows him to move the vibration? And he makes it happen. He makes it happen. Correct. So what does it mean? Maybe it means a Tzadik. It's someone who knows how to use the string so he can do things. Yes. Or he's in so contact with his string itself that he can, he's a string. Right. So he can do it. Just make, just do something. How is a Tzadik able to do this? Maybe that's how. Because he feels. Because he does it ultimately. Yeah. See, that would be eminently elegant. Yeah, eminently elegant. That would be the case. Beautiful elegance. Where you and the phenomena is the same. Not that there's a version that does things for you. Right. But really you do. The devotion allows you to do it. When you become sadic, which means you, you, you're part of a motishon already. Right. That aspect of being motishon, devotion allows you to yeah. do it. Because you've connected yourself with the string. Correct. You've gained that consciousness. And that's why the only way to be a sadic is to do the mitzvahs. Yeah. That's why Shekhinah and Kleinsul is really the Shekhinah, the flip yeah. side. That's what it means that Knesset is real. He's really the Shekhinah. Ah, because we're the Matoshana. We're God. You see how every... We tem kelokim. Yeah. We are the Shekhinah. Yeah, exactly. You see how everything is? Yeah. Stalming. And Shekhinah is from the word Shochein, which means it's the Hashem part that Shochein is in us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not the ain't so yeah. part of God. So it comes out of Merdik Sachat in the actuality. Such beauty, I see. Well, you see how everything is? Yeah. Look how we took such ideas that no one even thinks of. Forget knows them. And we put them together for it in such uni- unity. Beautiful. So it's like even though this I would think you're guessing it all, this is nothing. It has to be right. You Correct. know what I mean? Yeah. And this is nothing. This, this is, nothing. is nothing compared to what we're going to know. You know. Yeah, there's nothing. This is the beginning of. Uh, yeah. We didn't get anywhere. You know. So could you imagine that the Mashiach comes as Megalodes? Oh, and then he puts you in contact with yourself. Yes. All of a sudden you realize you're a string. You're a string. Wow. And you're in charge of all matter. Yeah. Yes. That matter in charge, matter emanates from you. Yeah. Much more than that. You imagine what astounding idea that is. But how could that be? I'm here. This table is not even touching me. How can I be making this table? Well, that's the unknown part. That's the unknown part. How well, does that string make? localized. How are you localized? Yeah. Well, that's the unknown because uh, I, you know, it's because you, because you really hate of the string. Because all kinds of sort of all together is the, string. Is the whole thing. Yeah, the one You're string. only a bit. Yeah. A bit of the string. So does that mean I can only affect parts of the world? Yes, correct. That's clearly like that. You can only suck in parts of the world. Meaning my part. Your part. That's why they say each Jew has his tikkun. Correct. Because each one has to do his part That's until right. the full string is done. That's right. So together we do it all. Yes. And if there's a Jew that doesn't do his job, Somehow he what? He goes out of Tikkun and the string is given to someone else that they can do it? Yeah. Because someone's got to do it. It's like Aesop. If you say no, I'll do it. Yeah. But does that apply today that people lose their ability to attack him because they're such rushes? Yeah. Yeah. Because then someone else got to do it. No, it means that, that it would mean that that Khalif Shama comes back with a different consciousness. That this consciousness is lost, which oh. is you. So we try to. So the Matsushalim would come out with another consciousness. Uh-huh. Also, still, there's the even amount of parts. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Exactly. Parts remain. So the consciousness is varies. So really, Mr. A may leave, and it may be Mr. B now, but he's the same. He's the same Chelik Mishama. Same cup. 
some of the motion can alter the consciousness. Ah. So really, A did die and B came new, but it had the same. Yes. Yeah. It's the same but different. Ah. So it's like Mr. A is thin, he won't get all in half because he's not around anymore. But look how much it regenerates. Yeah. But you see that, you see that, but you can realize that because of Ramchal's Motsu Sholem. Yeah, it's very important that I learned. Yeah, because without that... See how day one when I came here you said, it's going to be priceless this information that I'm giving you. I only took it on faith. Yeah. But I knew it was going to be. I knew it was going to be. Well, you ended two you know. worlds. I knew it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you entered the world of Thirst. And the Halakha. And, and, and Ashkoff. Now you understand why why is there why, why is there such a why is structure so important? Because that is the relationship of the real. Yeah. It's all first. Right, whatever thing comes from. Formulas, it's like mathematical formulas. You need to know what comes from what. Not just some oh there's some here, there's some here, lucky here, lucky here. That's why it says at Mosai Uskubashvi, we said out of the out soul. Oh right. We want bring the Tiferet back to us, not from the other side. The first in the hand of the enemy. Right, which is that saw enemy that they use it first against us. Right. That science that they want to say there is no God. They use first. But the truth is, why is first such an important part? Because first is really equal. And the whole thing is really equal. Yeah. Who is God take? It's all Yehud, the Yehud, uh, Eloi, Yehuda. Hester Yehudo, then Gilu Yehudo. Where are we? On the clock. 25 minutes. Oh, we got time? Yeah. Five minutes. Huh? Usually time goes fast when you're having fun. An hour and a half, but... All I have to do is somehow get time to slow down. What do I do with it myself? Speed up so that I can slow time down and we'll learn more. <laughs> There's going to be a way. And we're going to learn here for 10 hours and you may not know it. <laughs> but you see anyway how everything is connected here. Yeah, beautiful. You know how many times I'm going to have to see this over and over before I really grasp it? Does this come out okay? Excellent. Yeah. Anyway, so what? So the important thing is that what we've seen, we've talked about the fundamental structure of Bria. What our problem is that we do not have the details. You know what I'm saying? But it lies in the area. Of, you know what I'm saying? The details yeah. and so on. But the whole concept of Monte showing perfect being, that we are perfect being, the Namitsuko, and that's really the concept of Kav. 613 parts of the experience and so on. All these ideas. We've talked about the fundamental elements of, of, of creation. And how creation really comes from us. You know what I'm saying? We make it. Yeah. That's why it says, We the Sarai Exilokim in Philem. From my flesh, I can see God. What does that mean? Governor says that in Philem. Yeah. We the Sarai from myself. I can see God, because I am a model of the Rabbani Shalom. So meaning if I look at myself, we are the spheres. I see God. Yes, yes. Because we are really the spheres. So we study ourselves 
That's why we have 613 thoughts. Same idea. And she said, give them. Give them. Exact same concept. Because, you see what I'm saying? Because we are it. We are Correct. the 613. Yes, right. That's right. Even from Mibisarai, even if you look at your physical body, it's enough to see. Yes. Imagine the Neshama thought. You'll really see. Yeah. And that's what Vishokhanti Vishokhan means. Oh, Hashem is within us. Oh, the uh, the Orain site is within us. Exactly. Or no, we are in the Orain soul. Yes. Right? And that's also why, so that's why I said, from my flesh I can see God, 